Welcome to the Draft Doctors Podcast, your home of weekly draft content. Now here's Steve, Jono, Cam, and the Statesman. G'day everyone and welcome back to the Draft Doctors. I'm your host, Stevie Fears. We've got a very special episode because the fantasy positions have been released already. Uh, exciting times for fantasy players. Unfortunately, Stato's got his office Christmas party on tonight, so... The keys are in the bowl, arse cheeks are on the Xerox machine, and it's all happening. But we have found an adequate adequate replacement. Uh, we've gone to the apex of fantasy, gone to someone who's even more influential than Stato. Warney from The Traders, how are you, mate? <laughs> Very well, thanks, Steve. It's great to be here. Um been interesting listening the f- last few weeks, so it's uh, nice to actually be on board to maybe have a little bit of rebuttal on uh, how everything's gone over the last uh, few weeks, which has been my only fantasy listening, I guess, in that time as well. I don't know what you're talking about. It's just <laughs> straight bad city, straight bad city over here. Um, yeah, but like the fantasy positions obviously came out, and this is the earliest I can recall them coming out. It's It seems like there hasn't been much of an off-season, especially for yourself, who's been doing the AFLW Fantasy Podcast. You want to say, how? how I mean, no break for you. Yeah, it's a bit nuts, actually, really. Like, going into that, I was... I didn't, well... Oh put it on the record I guess I didn't really want to do it because I was cooked at the end of the season but they wanted me to be part of that I don't think they wanted Calvin or Roy because they were scared of what they might say um, <laughs> for a W podcast but um, anyway yeah no it was good to be part of that it's awesome I'm so happy that they um, finally got that going on an official W fantasy game so that was pretty sweet and so hopefully that continues to evolve but yeah getting uh, Friday afternoon got the little inbox that said uh, yeah fantasy positions which looked at that and thought yeah we've got to do some content around that and like we do each year had a look at what that was last year it was uh, I think it was December 8 was the same date the, the article date for that so she's bloody a lot earlier so a couple of weeks earlier almost and um, anyway we uh, got that out there and the positions are there and there's a fair bit going on, I think, and a lot of thinking that we'll be doing over this preseason, which is actually really fun for the game, I think. Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm actually with you. I'd seen on the, the Twitters, people are freaking out about the lack of uh, gun forwards, I guess you could say, as being easy picks, probably more in, in salary cap than draft. But I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good Definitely, thing. Definitely, isn't it? And even when you're looking at the list, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit too, there's names there that sat in the top end of those forwards that you're going, wow, like you wouldn't have thought that, that would have been happening there. Even even to the point where, and this is probably me with my classic hat on a little bit more too, is that, you know, looking at Charlie Kerno, for example, and you're just seeing, oh, look how high he's up on that list. And, and then you see that he actually averaged 87 last year, which was probably a surprise for me when I looked at that again, because he wasn't totally in my head for any form of fantasy. Um, didn't have him, any shares in him in bloody, um, any league. Yeah, it was interesting. Like, you know, even someone, Dustin Martin, who maybe you say didn't have a great year coming in as the second highest averaging forward, people are saying, who the hell Sam Flanders? Why have you got him ranked as the number four <laughs> forward? Um, you know, obviously our boy just killed it at the back end of the year. And it, it feels like all these guys, you know, when you look at like Toby Greens and um, I know Dylan Moore had a good year a couple of years ago, but these are the guys who sort of come in as F2s just without those sort of five half a dozen guns at the top of the list. 
And and you're picking them almost like when they come up in draft, like you're not picking with a heap of confidence either. Like we're well, not confident that they are going to explode from there. You're probably getting what you you're paying for for them in a sense of at that at that range in the draft. Yeah, so so we'll get into where it sort of sits for draft because I think it's really interesting. I think last year Josh Dunkley went off the board super early. Uh, Tim Tarano was another really popular pick early. I think I took him at fourth in the the listener league this year. Man, I I can't consider like are you considering Jack McRae to be the F one? You, you can't mm. be confident picking him in the first two rounds. I wouldn't have thought. Definitely not. And that's what my brain was going to. Like, when will you be confident to take him? And like, that's the other thing about this, this group up there. Like, how many of those guys, like Jack McRae can average over a hundred, but how many of these guys will do that? Like, w- that you have confidence in. And if you're putting some percentages on it or putting some odds on it, gamble responsibly, like you pretty much, um, I, there's not many that I'd be backing in to get up there. And obviously we get dual position players during the season. Um, but yeah, I think Bevo might hold a little bit of a key to how some of these guys actually go. Yeah. I guess Bally Smith's another one. Like he's, he's coming yeah. in off an 83 average and he was, you know, a top 10 mid for some people heading into last yep. year. So uh, yeah, there's a few. And I guess that's the thing. And we will find people that will improve but that improvement we might be and this is where it does come to that draft strategy you might be finding those those 70s that go to 80 and that sort of thing and that's what i reckon we'll be trying to find as our little um our little sleepers as such or or guys that will be further down the board and um you can be throwing a blanket over so many of these guys with what it is like when we actually get to our draft ranking season which i'm looking at that list like i'm dreading it because how are you going to split guys? It's going to be very much tier-based drafting, isn't it? And you're just going to have to find like reasons, tell yourself some stories with that, but there's probably going to be very minimal differential in points between them anyway, so it's not going to cane you too much. Yeah, you, I mean, in my eyes, you're looking for the guys who can get that midfield time or the half-back mm. line. So if Zach Fisher crosses over to um, North Melbourne and picks up that half-back role, He's, he's probably a top 10 forward. Yeah, he was already confirmed uh, to play off that halfback, I think, about three weeks ago. So, you know, that's going to happen from November all the way through to the round one. But, yeah, but he's the type of guy. The other one, too, like, um, how, and this is where it sucks for draft, like trusting the body of a Taylor Adams. Like, if that's a, a midfield role there, we know what his his fantasy game is like, but we just also know what his hamstrings are like too. So yeah. they're the sorts of guys that um, can be. And that, but how are you spending your how are you spending your pick on these guys at that point? And at what point of the draft are you going to do that? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm yeah, Stato's pretty hot on Taylor Adams. I'm less mm. bullish. I know he played his twenty two last year, but that's the exception. Um, is, is there any merit in just people will say, do you punt forwards? Which I'm never a fan of punting composition but is this a year where you can just go oh, i'll grab someone when they fall to me like a jeremy cameron or shay bolton or someone like that and just hammer the the late round guys and look for maybe players who can find midfield time i'm probably looking at guys like um rochelle do you go for a billing like just load up say four or five of these guys um who else is sort of in this mix uh, I mean, Harley Reid's probably yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably one, but you know those sort of sort of guys. 
Yeah, and so much he'll come down to training reports and just seeing is there just that little bit of midfield time that could help them with that bump or whatever it's going to be because there's not a lot of guys there also on that list where you are really thinking and backing in and thinking that they'll be those midfielders as such. Like it's, you know, you, you can see that. Like last year, obviously, getting guys like, um, you know, and it's at the top end, obviously, is looking at, you know, your Cornelios, your Dunkleys, your... Um, the Tarantos, you just knew they were going to be midfielders. Like, there's yep. a lot of guys here that you don't really know. Like, you know, you've got Jack McRae at the top and plenty of us fantasy fans will be going, yeah, he's a midfielder, but yeah, his coach is also Bevo. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's kind of the way I'll, I'll probably look at it and rather than go for, like, I mean, even looking at Toby Green, I mean, he feels pretty maxed out at 88. Mm. So the only way should be holding Patton or down. Like, you're looking at the guys to, to, who can go past him. Um, my uh, that's and that's a good point. Like that's the thing. A lot of these players, I feel like they are at their top end of what they've performed or what their output has been. So it's going to be finding yeah those little dimes there. But it is that little that punt forwards is a thing because I don't think you're probably going to be shafted too bad. I made a little bit of a chart um, to sort of see where the where they landed in the little mix of that. And like most of them are all sitting in that that range of the well sixty to 80 average that's where you know your majority of picks are going to be there outside so that's outside of your top 14 players on last year's average are sitting there so what do you got 66 players that sit between 60 and 80 average from last season so that's where the well the bulk of our players are that we draft so if we're we're drafting in most leagues you know that 60-ish range or whatever will be there for your your starters and your on-field sort of players they are going to be you're expecting that 65 to 80 if you're going off their base of what they performed like last year. That's fucking disgusting. Look at Lockie, Sh- Lockie Schultz <laughs> F16. Yeah. Wow. Like, content, mate. How are we going to start selling some of these dudes when we're talking about them? Well, I guess Lockie Schultz, it's, you know, a new club and everything. There's not even that thing that going, oh, yeah, he'll just pump that out again. And that was one of, I think that was his best year, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's I think it's great. It's just interesting. You got to back in roles like is is Joel Jeffrey going to take the leap off the halfback? Is mm. is these things going to happen? We'll switch things over. We'll look at the defence, and I would argue this is actually more interesting because this is where I think you can make some decisions. You got Nick Dacos coming in off one hundred and eight, James Sicily one hundred and four, Jack Sinclair one hundred and two. Then you got Luke Ryan. Yeah. Nick Newman, Harry Sheasel, who's rumoured to be moving forward or at least spending more time forward. And then it really goes from, you know, 100 plus down to sort of mid to low 90s. I mean, that could be a big separator. Yeah, it's a, and it's an interesting one. Like a lot of these guys are a little bit talking about some of those forwards as well that might have been up the top. Like to think that you're you're looking at Luke Ryan as D4, like he's fourth on the board there. And yeah, at a 99 average, like, you know, if you're putting a projection on that, you're probably not going anywhere near that 99. And, you know, I'm not sure I'm basing that on anything apart from just going, yeah, that's a pretty high number. Like it might be in the 90s, but to be knocking on that door of a ton and seeing how they work with things like, you know, what Hayden Young does, et cetera, et cetera. Like there's a few different things going on there. Like he might be the sort of player that takes a little bit of a jump there. So he's obviously further down the list um, with a just a sub-90 average um, and see what happens with that. But 
this preseason's going to be a big part of seeing how we look at these guys. Like a Sheasel then, if that does look real, that he's not going to have that nice cushy role that he was uh, let to have in that first season. Like that's... You're not going to be looking at him at a 97 for that uh, second-year Blues. Not that I think he's going to have that anyway because of the way that he's played and how he's been looked after. That's probably the biggest part about his career, I reckon, so far. That first season, he has been, you know, eased in beautifully. Yeah. I find it strange that they'd move him, but mm. that's a different topic. But I look at Nick Dacos. Man, can you... Could, could he be the only non-mid or ruck in the first round? Or should he be? Yeah, I guess potentially, and I don't think it really matters where he plays either, so whatever he's going to do is probably going to be right, but he might be the only one there, because that's the other ones. Like, we talk about, yeah, Luke Ryan there at 99, but, you know, Sicily, backing him at backing him at that average, like, it's pretty tough. He does it very nicely, and it's about the ceiling, I guess, on some of these dudes there as well, but like a, like a Sicily, but, yeah, Dacos might be that sort of only defender that could could go in that first round. Um, and then I guess we are thinking about strategy as well in, in how we're drafting our players based on what might happen with our round zero fixturing and all that sort of stuff too. Yeah, I look at, you know, probably the the Bacon Cup, your, your home league, um, as being a bit of a different sort of setup. I'd say most leagues are probably in a 10 to 12 team mm. setup. Maybe it's 5, 7, 1, 5. But with the 14 teams, 3, 4, 1, 3, you're really looking at that separation by position because midfielders kind of bat deep uh, in the yep. in the AFL fantasy, you know, is it just going to be English Marshall Nick Dacos straight top three, or you think um, maybe we'll look at the midfielders in a second? But I I think that might be a good idea. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, I think those two rucks will obviously be up there. But then you've also probably got in your head that you you're Grundy and you're gone aren't that far off. But if they're that sort of third or fourth round that you could be getting them in but obviously you're competing with everyone else for that but yeah we having our 14 man league like that makes a massive difference for any of that obviously rucks is a big part of that um but then those defenders well so if you're looking at that so we had 13 defenders last season all with the defender status this year or next year coming up there was 13 of them that were 90 plus but then you've got a pretty decent group there of 18 that essentially then are your D2s in your leagues um, in the 80 to 90 range. So you're getting those through and then another 28, 70 to 80 average. So you're pretty much probably going 70 plus with all your on-field defenders. Um, but in the forward line, that's where that is changing a lot. So um, does the defenders bat deep enough to be able to to back that in that's where that the the um saying see you later to any of those forwards like maybe maybe you're not going to tank the forward line and do that because of what you might be able to get in defense as well so is is defense a little bit like the midfield as well oh yeah that's a good question i I probably look at these defenders and there's a lot of question marks like i can't trust luke ryan at 99 i can't trust nick newman at 98 i can't trust liam duggan to keep that midfield time at 96 no. I don't trust Lockie Whitfield with, you know, bloody anything, to be honest. It's, yeah. You know, are these, you know, Hayden Young's obviously going to be ranked in the top five probably for everyone. Uh, man, I, I I just feel like there's a big separation there. And unless you go, look, Jack McCrae, he's going to bounce back. He's going to go 110. Sam Flanders, yes, he's locked in. He's going to absolutely <laughs> yeah. kill it, 105. That sort of thing. To me, it's these defenders, you sort of know they're better scorers. Yeah. 
and th- and there's probably yeah you're probably again like you're getting what you you're getting from them like there's a few guys there that you know there's probably a little bit of upside from where they could be like a Wanganine Miller you know like a the way he sort of finished the year in the fantasy game he's got, but it's it's such a big one. Like I think what we're seeing so much with clubs too is that there is more change over each off season. Like you you always bank in some of these guys, goes oh yeah, and you know we all get it's part of the content I think as well at this time of the year when we're looking at that, and you you think that you know why can't they be the same or improve or that sort of stuff? But so many things change, there's so many factors that change, and like that's why, um, well. You can do all right by having a fair crack at your draft rankings and all that sort of stuff in the preseason, but so many things we don't know until that ball's bounced or whatever and, and things change. And then obviously things change during the season anyway off the back of how the game's played. Yeah, I think it was probably the thing that makes me feel like there won't be heaps of change this year is that there wasn't a heap of top-end player movement. Mm. Yep, no, I agree with that totally. And that'll be just any little, little mixes. I guess the, the, probably the biggest ones will be, you know, what does Hardwick do at the Suns? How does that look? What little changes might there be there? And, and even Clarko is probably a big one too, because North Melbourne will be super relevant and this will be with the classic hat on as well as the, um, draft hat because he'll be making a few little changes based off last year, you know, even this was a, a nice conversation we had with um, Colby McKercher who went at pick two there and he's gone there. So I felt like he knew he was pretty much going to be at North Melbourne when we spoke to him a few days before the draft and some of those conversations he sort of had, uh, I guess a bit off the record sort of stuff, was basically that they're going to move the ball faster. They've had their year. You don't have Zeeble there. You don't have Hall there now like in that back line. So that'll be a change that will We'll definitely see, I think. Um, or they'll try anyway, initially, until they work out they're still fucking shit and have to, uh, <laughs> have to slow it down. But that's, that's stuff that we'll see. And, and like we say too, like things change over the first five weeks of the season anyway. What we see in those first five weeks are not necessarily going to be happening in the middle of the season either. Yeah, I think it's a pretty popular sentiment. We want to move the ball faster. We want to be attacking. <laughs> and then they're on the end of a couple, 10 goal spankings and. Yep. All of a sudden, she Turn, slows down. Turning 60 points into a 30-point loss is definitely much better. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Well, why don't we talk about the draft? So, I don't know if you're a big draft watcher, Warney. I'm not. Look, mate, I'm not Josh Giddy. I'm not out here scouting the underage talent, <laughs> all right? That's, that's not my bag. <laughs> is that why Stato's not on tonight? Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> he's, uh, wait, look, he's doing his thing. He's doing his thing. He, um, so, Reed, yeah, Reed went at pick one. He's got the forward status. Is he draft relevant and how how and where do you rank him? Because we've just seen a first-year player finish as a top 10, you know, forward defender, whatever you want to call him. Yeah, it's such a hard thing, isn't it? Like you're just going, he can, I guess he can be. I, I don't think his fantasy game's going to be like what we've seen from Sheasel, for example, or Dagos in his first year and that sort of stuff. But your best ability is your availability. That's right, isn't it, Steve? 100%. So he's gonna be there <laughs> I think they'll um, be playing him every game and, and have that opportunity as well I guess that's the other side of it like it's not like he's um, they're gonna totally ease him in because they need him and he's the way that they've and you've made comment on social as well about the way that they're um, they're giving the love to him like He's franchise essentially, isn't he? Imagine you like I just it's it shows you how different the AFL world is to like the real world. Imagine you started a job and like 
your employer posted a hundred social media posts about you joining their company <laughs> in the first twenty four hours of your arrival. Like it's just unbelievable. That's nuts. So yeah, so I think he's gonna be there because he's got obviously the Ford status and I guess that opportunity. But um but he's gonna be in that massive mix though, isn't he? And we talked about that sort of spread of players there in the Ford line and, and seeing how many are in that sixty to eighty range. That's where he's gonna fall in an average, like I, and that's putting a fair blanket on it. But yeah. I'd I'd probably give him a bit more bump than yeah. that. I don't know why, but to me, it feels like he should be in the midfield. He should rest forward. Maybe he does spend a bit of time on the bench, but I, I don't know that they have a heap of locked-in superstar gun mids to pick from, and it just makes sense to, in my eyes, I, and I'm not yeah. inside the football world, so I don't really know, but it makes sense to put him in there. Yep. Franchise, franchise, franchise. Imagine the social content when he's racking up disposals as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, and so pick two was your boy, McKercher. Um, was one of the better scorers in the juniors. Yeah, he's got a fantasy game about him, So, and that's it. And he'll be playing as well. So I think he's someone that we're looking at. Obviously, mid-only, that makes it hard for draft because you, you, you're back in the known talent anyway. That's one thing that you, you'll do, but, you know... Obviously, keeper leagues and plenty of um, keeper coaches. He would probably be my number one dude in keeper, I guess. that's You'd be looking at that. But then again, you've got Harley Reid there with that forward status and does he keep that for a little while? It's going to be interesting. I think the thing is where Colby did talk about the fact that he might even be off half back and be eased in that way like a lot of players. You know, you might get a defender year out of him or something, which could could be handy there too. But it's... um. Yeah, he's he's going to be probably one of the better fantasy prospects without looking at positions across the next few years. It's, it seems a hard team for me to be confident in him, though. Is that mm. unfair to say? Like, like, well, that's it. Like, even those midfielders, like, you're looking at that. He's not bumping out an LDU or a Simpkin, and there's plenty of guys. And as you look at with any of your CBAs, is going, you know, they had a bit of a cast in there, and you're going, mm. I guess it depends on how much they'd back him in with that. Yeah with that position as such, and that's probably why this half-back thing is is possibly a real thing. But, you know, you're adding Zach Fisher as well, and whatever happens with Sheezel, like, it's still... Well, it's, it's, still got to find a spot. There's still Will Phillips. There's still Wardlaw. There's still yeah, yeah. Taran Thomas. It's, like, it's an endless list down there. Yeah. Uh, and our boy, Jed Walter, obviously at number three. We're not really interested. Uh, Zane Dersma at North. Forward status. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know a lick about him. No, well, that's it's all also going to be, you know, ceiling of scoring is not going to be huge there, but he'll probably play as well. I guess that's the other thing. So it's it's so hard to back these guys for draft. The the you guys that you have a crack at for your bench and hope that they might go all right. But yep, like we said as well, keeper leagues are important for all of this as well. But I just don't see it being. Like what? What's a a guy that is playing in a forward pocket or a half forward for North Melbourne going to be scoring when that's the majority of what his role might be? Yeah, jack shit. Um, Nick Watson <laughs> at the Hawks went number five. Had some pretty good, pretty impressive numbers down there, and it seems like a team where you could get some play. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. He'll play, um, but again, like a small forward. What's that really going to look like for fantasy? For yeah. Hawthorne as well. Yeah. And they've also like added Ginovan as well. So like, it's not like, you know, if you've got those two blokes there, that's going to be points are going to be shared a fair bit, I guess, across that time. Yeah. So, and then we got Riley Sanders at the Bulldogs. 
Um, just to add him to the mix of yeah. bloody those midfield, but that's the thing. He's he's one of the better fantasy guys out of the draft as well. Like his numbers, I think he might have been the highest um, averaging player out of the under eighteen championships, and he's good. He's just um, great. Oh, well, obviously another Tassie kid as well, so we love him. But um, but yeah, the other side of it is too. He looks a bit too much like Jason Horn Francis, and that might turn a few of us off. <laughs> there's to me, there's the Bulldogs probably have a little bit more room than we might give credit to mm. like there's room outside i know he doesn't carry the forward status but um maybe he picks it up in round six he's probably just more classic relevant i guess but it, I, I don't think the team bats as deep as it used to well no and like when you do again look at the cbas like they did they still keep it pretty tight really um week to week that is it's just more that round to round it's um or game to game they keep it pretty tight yeah but um, but then it's just the mix that, you know, Caleb Daniel then gets that awesome run in the midfield and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah. it's, um, it's just, yeah, you just don't know where you're at and that's where you can't back, back that in. Like that's the hard thing. But you know, if he's playing that wing, which I think he can, cause his big game is sort of getting it pretty well and he extracts it. Like that's what he's about. Like his handball, kick to handball ratio is atrocious for fantasy when you're looking at that because that's what he does, but he does move and work pretty well. Yeah, and then we got Caleb Windsor at Melbourne. It's probably a team where there's a, maybe not the midfield, like there's not the outside midfield depth. Um, it's again a super tight inside. Have lost players, maybe. Yeah. Um, we got Curtin over at Adelaide with the defender status. Maybe that's an option. Maybe if you yeah, so ball. like he'll be another one that plays, I guess. Yeah, if you're looking at the other game, that's um that's where he will thrive but you know we're not going to get a lot fantasy wise we're just thinking basic dt stats it's not going to be massive there but again he'll be playing yeah and we got our boy ethan reed who certainly won't play a lick um it was pretty funny everyone complained about the gold coast draft but really they just got players <laughs> in positions they already had a lot of so i, I don't know whatever Fucking Vic Bias, mate. You, you're on board with that, aren't you? Fucking Victorian. 100%. No. I, the thing is, I reckon people overblow this shit as well. Like some of these, um, things. Like I think a lot of things, and this is people in general just not understanding the system and going, we've got to be doing this with the Suns. Like, isn't it a good thing that we're getting more product out of Queensland? Like that's what, what it's all about. I, I can understand the frustrations and I'm one of the big campaigners for, a, um, a clean round one, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I probably don't like it. But, I'm, but I mean, I saw this, like, I, I tweeted out in June. I'm like, shit's going to hit the fan mm. it, it, on draft day. And sure enough, um, everyone lost their brain. So I, I can understand it. I just, I always feel like it's bad that the club who bids doesn't get anything, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, they didn't have access to the player. They... Would have chosen. They just moved down the they order. Just one moved spot. down the order. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. My biggest thing, I think, like the the way that it needs to go is just it just needs to cost more. That's basically what it is. Like, like in a way, like yeah, I'd love, I want Gold Coast to have access to those guys. It's academy. It's building the game. Yada yada yada. But it just needs to cost more. They, the, the total free hits really, like yeah, that that did not affect them at all. And like their draft hand wasn't pretty going into it. Like if you were going into that without those academy picks, like you'd be going, yeah, that's that's where you get a bloody an F on um, Murdoch's bloody uh, scale of um, you know draft <laughs> winners and losers, which I love that. Like what the fuck? How how is someone a winner or loser after yeah. 
that and it, all it goes, oh, no, they had three picks in uh, inside the top 15, so they must be the winners. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's always strange. If you can find the ones from years ago, which are tough to find, um, yeah, that's yeah. always a good laugh. Uh, and last off in the top 10 was uh, Nate Caddy for your team, Essendon. Uh, key four doesn't, I mean, is there relevance there other than classic? Yeah, no. That's and that's it. And even so, in classic, obviously they these top picks get that premium price put on them as well. But he, he'll probably be playing. That's a positive about him. I think he's um, it's a need, and that's it. Like I guess that's where it is. But anyone that's uh, got anything near their name that looks like a key, whatever, we just can't be thinking about them too much for our draft league in their first season. As simple yeah. as that. Um, and even for your keeper league, it's hard to. Even back in those guys, you might as well just go and find that that developing guy that that should just have a little bit of a bump from what they were. Yeah, so we're gonna also Riley Bonner was drafted to St Kilda, and Jeremy Sharp will head over to the Fremantle Dockers. Yeah, Sharp's good. That'll be interesting to see. But Freo, where are they at as well? Like they've got plenty of those wingers outside guys as well, don't they? Like that's it's hard. It's yeah, yeah. It's an interesting team. I I would have thought he'd be a chance there. Um, we'll see. I know he had a good good hit for fantasy, but unfortunately the AFL want people with a defensive bone in their body. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we'll get on to the Twitter questions, Warney. There's a fair bit going on here, so it could take us a little bit of time to plough through. Ninja says, punt forwards. He doesn't trust Bevo and strong mids early with forward waivers seems safe and secure. Yep. I'm pretty on board with that. I think that's where we are looking. And, and that's it. Maybe what the cool thing about this is, is that that whole waiver movement is going to be pretty sweet this year. Like we will be able to, um, probably play our free agents a lot more than what we have done in the past. And, and the forward line will be that. And we'll be, you know, looking up our scale of hardness to see who we might find for, um, for week to week. It might also open up trades. Hmm. Yep, that's a good call. Cool. Especially too, like, and obviously that can be off the back of your drafting. So like seeing those people that you lose, you have that injury early in the season, that sort of thing into a midfielder where you've got better top end talent and you might be able to, you know, get yourself that forward that pops after three weeks that you get there and go, yep, that was a miss for me. So that could be the thing. I was reckon you're going to see forward lines that are like Charlie Kernow, Jeremy Cameron, oh. um, Isaac Rankin, Jesse Hogan, that sort of it's, it's that sort of, some stuff. of those forwards too. You're gonna to have those weeks where, you know, um yeah, big Charles, he's gonna kick a bag or whatever and you know, that's gonna be what differences will be um in matchups, I reckon, because of that key forward that you might have had a big game with. Yeah, for sure. Uh Russ, how many forwards mids lost uh forward DPP? I think sixty-nine. <laughs> Russ, also, can you trust Bevo enough to take McRae as your F one? You can, but I wouldn't be doing that in the first round, sort of thing. I guess that's the that's the. I, I think I like I'm I'm bullish enough on McRae. Like I feel like that even where he's at. So you're you're looking at him priced, or his his average was ninety two from last year or whatever. I think his career average is one hundred four, and he's got the opportunity to do that. It's just going to be. It might be sporadic. There's going to be times where he is in playing an inside midfielder. And so it's going to be there, but you just could not, definitely not first round, maybe later in the second, but someone will jump on. And I know that will happen, like, because people will go, yep, I do want to 
get a decent forward to begin with. And, and you're looking at that, like, and every league is going to be different with their structure too. Like if you've got, you know, your five forwards in a 10 or 12 team league, you, yeah, that F1 is going to look ugly for you especially if you did punt initially as well. Like you are looking a lot further down that list to be going, who's that, who is that F1 for your team? If you, if you are punting enough at the start, like you're going, shit, you're going to have to try to jump on someone in round three or four, possibly. I'd just say, how much worse can it get for him? Yeah, that's it. Like this, like, and that's probably something I could have looked up, but surely that 92 average is as low as he's done. For his career, even. Well, I'm like, sure it is. But I felt like he was a 104 in his second year. Yeah, he, he jumped out of the gates, that's for sure. I just, I can't imagine him scoring worse. Like, the yeah. only way it gets worse is if he gets, like, the Matt Crouch treatment and gets dropped. I just can't see that happening. No, and I don't think that, yeah, I don't think that'll happen. Yeah, McRae, what did he do? So, he opened up with a 63, yeah. 63.5 average in 13 games in 2013. Then he's got 104, 104. 99, yep, everything has just been above that. And yeah, the 2020 average of 90 is obviously a, a COVID number as well. So you multiply that. So this is a long way down. Yeah, they they went away from in the middle for some unknown reason, obviously trying out the Cale Daniel experience and the rebirth of Bally Smith. But they went back to him at the end. So I'm, I'm, okay, I'm okay with McCray's F1. And you also asked, do we fade forwards in single-season drafts? Yeah. I guess that's where we're feeling. We're feeling that, aren't we, at the moment? It's going to be interesting when we start actually piecing together our rankings, like our positional rankings, and then comparing that to those other lines. I think that's where we'll get a fair idea of what we do. Like that's where I've, I've, I haven't full-blooded gone tier stuff in my preparation for my own drafts, but I think this is a year where I feel like I might need to. But in saying that. I think there's just going to be massive chunks or massive tiers of those forwards. It's going to be hard to to really rank them. And you you are going to be backing in dudes. Like you are going to be telling yourself that story about how they're changing that average or that, that output. Yeah, I, I, I probably don't say fade. I just take them where they fall. Like you're not chasing these guys, but... Anyway, Pack and Sense has rounds 14 and 15. Look a trick. Is it too early to be hitting the spreadsheets? For the uh, for um, the buys, I guess. I guess I don't. I don't <laughs> yeah. even look at that sort of stuff, man. No, and that's the thing. And this is where I guess we in draft, like we don't play those mid-season buys, and we probably won't. And I know we might be cowards for not doing that, but even if we did, I'm not massive on on looking at that for draft. Like it's just yeah. going. I'd, I'd prefer to take a hit for a week than than try to. Like in already, I can't draft properly anyway, let alone trying to fucking <laughs> try to make that work for, um, you know, avoiding players because they've got that buy in that round where I might be heavy. Yeah, I, I don't even look at it. Don't even consider it. It's it's a salary cap thing, surely. Yeah. Fork Talk, do you guys think any of the new draftees make it a lush role that sees them be relevant in their draft year next year? Uh, well, Colby, if he does get that half back, that would be very nice, but with mid only status. But yeah, I guess it's, it's too, too soon to tell. I need to see some more of who's burning up the track and who's bloody breaking time trial records in their first runs and stuff like that to, to really know who's going to be any good at this point. But yeah, we've got a little, we've got a lot of time to work this out. <laughs> we need to get some, um, 
get some info, really, because, you know, lists aren't even really settled because there's the SSP stuff and you always see a yeah. few of those come into the mix of being there for round one, too. So that's the other the other side of that one. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd probably target West Coast, just whether it's um, mm. Harley Reid, maybe this Clay Hall guy. Um, he sounds He's got like a fantasy a, game. Yeah, he sounds yeah. like a midfielder that's maybe a bit more developed. Uh, I think from the Suns, uh, Jake Rogers will play, but I think he'll play yep. forward, so it won't be particularly lush in his mid only. Um, but that'd be my attacking. Maybe, maybe Curtin. I still think there's some opportunity to Adelaide in that defence. Yeah, I guess you've uh, they've lost Duda. Obviously, he went down mid-season with that ACL, but they're a pretty young defence as well. So I guess it's how that's going to look and who's who's going to do the jobs as such and what that looks like. You know, if he becomes the third, yeah. the third tall defender back there or whatever that might be the thing. But if he's if they want the ball in his hands, that would be pretty nice for them because they're gonna that's going to be a changing sort of position, I reckon, for the Crows. Yeah, hundred percent, and maybe even Melbourne, the Wings. I don't. Yeah. So early, uh, the Draft Doctors podcast on new positions brought to you by Shed Sixteen because if it's one thing we know, it's the best positions. Love it. I guess. Dangerfield, real estate. We'll ask him about his office party later. Um, Dangerfield, <laughs> uh, does a Heaney bounce back appeal to anyone? Priced at seventy nine, has done ten more in the past. Needs a big year of Sydney are to bounce back. Yeah, see, he's going to be one of those ones that we're going to be talking about, isn't he? Like he's um, just outside the top ten of the Fords, but but looking at that eighty there, like how much can you back that in to go a lot further? That's still down on what his normal as a Ford output is. Like even when he doesn't have that little midfield time or whatever, like that's I think it, there's upside essentially. So I'd be he'll be in my top ten rankings, I think, just because that's who he is. To be, like, I always look at those guys, like, you know, Toby Green, I guess he gets a midfield time, but like, Kerno, average 86, to me, he could easily be 79 and... Definitely. And Heaney could be 86 and it's seven points. And especially some of those um, key fours, some got a bit lucky this year, like with, like a West Coast going to be that bad again, probably, but, um, but look, I think the thing is there were some big scores coming out of some of those games. Like, you know, you, you text Walker, for example, where he had his big performance against West Coast. And so is that 80 average of his looking too much because he's that, that old man now, another year older. But I'll tell you what, he still is looking good. I'm glad he's, he's still in the game for the game sense, not, uh, everything about him, but he's, uh, he's good. It's fucking good to watch. Yeah, when he's definitely. hitting, when he's hitting, hitting it up on the lead, looks good. Uh, Miller time is Philip Lowe the first guest? Are you Philip Lowe? Philip Lowe. See, this is part of me. I don't even know who that is. I'm. Is this one of these cool kid things, no, Steve? That you feel like you're across? I reckon. <laughs> like you, you seem to be there more than I am. Like far out, calling someone a mid. That was uh, something I learned about over the weekend. Yeah, no, well, no, Philip, no, our boy Philip Lowe, the ex-governor of the Reserve Bank. Now, calling someone mid, I knew that one, but I got schooled up on thirst trap on the on the oh, weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I'd never heard of thirst trap. I'm like, what? Yeah, what is that? Well, getting pre-season pictures is first thirst traps apparently, but yeah. like old mate Windhager, he looks good in that one. He did. I, I think they <laughs> photoshopped the ball into his hands though, because I don't know how that happened. <laughs> um, Defender status for him. Why didn't we talk about him? That's bizarre. 
That's just bizarre. because he played defensively in the midfield, maybe that's what sure got him there. Did. Yeah, Philip Lowe. Well, he's he's out. It's it's Bullock in, and she's fucking tearing this country apart. That's all you can say about that. Don't visit the dentist warning. That's all that oh, about. Yeah. yeah, that's scary, isn't it? Anyway, Mini Monk. Uh, no, that's one of our long-running bits, the Philip, Philip Lowe. Uh, which key forward can we trust to be good this year? Well, <laughs> yeah. Who do you think? Uh, I don't think the word trust and key forward. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard. It's just well. it, that might be just because you're going to have to draft them, so you you're not essentially going to be able to stream many of these guys. That that's a difference as well. I think that we're going to see this year because of that spread of where they are is that they are going to be drafted. So to to trust. <sighs> It's a tough thing, is it, Kerno? But then the thing about Kerno that makes me in my head like of going, you know, Harry, like those two, like it was almost one year was one and the next year was the other, and does that bounce back around? So yeah, that trust thing's pretty tough. Like it's it's going to be trying to find that guy that it's almost like the sharing ruck roll. <laughs> you yeah. want someone that's a bit more of the the only key forward as such. Yeah, and I, I think you're hundred percent right. Like you really do want someone who's going to be on their own in a half-decent team. So I'd probably look at, like, if he can get fit, Tom Lynch shouldn't be mm. bad, and he should be cheap as shit, like, really. Yeah, so what is Lynch at? Let's see, Lynch, um, oh, what do you see? He he played four games and a 52 average. So where that's lining up on your draft rankings initially, like, obviously better than that. And he was a guy, and I know it was probably the... Um, the Gold Coast time where he was pumping out high eighties, I think it was, even when he was doing that. So, but even even when he went to Richmond, he was splitting with Rewalt. Yeah, like now he's yeah, so. on his own. And like, who's going to be there with him at all? Like that's the thing. Even you know, Soldo's moved on. So, what are they going to do with their ruck? Like, is that going to be that split with who was that other old mate that played for them? Um, yeah, I've lost him. Yeah, don't worry but, about him. You know, it's going to be Nank and, yeah. you know, are they going to be having this sort of bit player? But So I'd look there. I'd look at, um, I mean, I, I can't see Hogan scoring badly with this midfield kicking it to him. Mm. He'll be fine. Jeremy Cameron should be fine. I'd, I'd just try to find a bit more value. What's a miss going to do at Fremantle? Could yeah. he be relevant? Could be. What's he? Is this going into his third year as well? Is that right? Third. So, anyway, there's at. not much there. He's a bit more value than going at the top, I think. Agree. Uh, Do who are the front runners out of the mid only brigade to have DPP in round six? So, who's going to pick yeah. it up? Yeah, so that was an interesting one when I was thinking about that and looking at that. I saw that question come through, and I was going, "It's really going to be that." Real change because most of those guys that had the Ford status previously, it was a, I reckon they were pretty significant to move, but it's going to be probably some of those borderline guys. Like I, I saw Freco tweeted, um, a stat around, um, Petrarca, like he missed out by 2.8% or something like that. Is it those kind of guys that you're sort of looking at there? Is it going to be, you know, I feel like some of those, um, bombers players that you might end up yeah, being pushed out of the midfield. Like, does a set if you would have to play off a half forward if he's in or those types of guys? Because they're going to have 
I do joke about Bombers batting deep in the midfield, but they do in a way. Like, it's, there's plenty of guys that can yeah. run through there, and it's it's going to be that thing. Like, you know, there's going to be five weeks of data or whatever to um to have those changes. So, yeah, it might be enough for someone just to be out, out of that. So it's hard, but, like, a Petrarca could be one there. But, you know, how's that changing for him? Does he go back in and just be start the season? Because he'll have an epic preseason. You know that he will. So, like, he'll, he'll have the tank to be in the guts to begin with, you'd think. Yeah, the only guys I'd had is uh, Petrarca. Had Callum Mills as a guy. Maybe they play him in defence more. Uh, Chad Warner. Yeah, he's yeah. a guy. Uh, Robot. Swan, Swans will be interesting in that yeah. too, like because they've got change there. So that might be that thing. Yep, sorry, that's where you're starting. You are going to have those every centre bounce. If you're on that half forward, that's adding to your percentage of um of your DPP, your thirty five percent that you need to get to. Uh, I had Dave Swallow maybe, mm-hmm. um, and probably the last two have guys who maybe have opportunity around him. So I had Tom Mitchell. They sort of tried to phase him out of that midfield at the end. They got Finn McRae, who they who has forward status. So yeah, interesting. Like the Tom Mitchell one could be interesting if he, like with with the loss of um, Adams, like is that role a um, a Mitchell one possibly? Yeah, and also the Hawks because they were super tight last year. Mm. I would feel like they want to like and Cam McKenzie's got forward status. Do they want to? And I think Stato and I sort of like kind of. Um, What's his name? Connor McDonald. McDonald, yep. yep. They've got four status. Do they start to bring these guys through the midfield? Does that mean someone else comes out of it? Because um, if, if you're going in, someone's coming out. That's all. Yeah. Warple. Warple was fine. Man. He was good, wasn't he? I know. I'll tell you what, This if we went back to this time last year, that'd be some nice tapes from Steve <laughs> on uh, Warple from yeah, last no. preseason. Look, look, hey, credit where it's due, man. He, he pulled it, picked up. Um, Sam Cullen, who are mids we should target in keeper leagues that may... Oh, God, it's the exact same question. Don't worry about it, Sam. You just heard it. Um, <laughs> ben AF Rank, who are some players who might get DPP later in the season? Wow. Uh, just rewind a couple of minutes and yeah. go back there. Boom. Um, Sam Anderson, who's the... This was this killed me, Warnie, because I put the thing up, we'd have a special guest. First comment, who's the first to bring up Blink? <laughs> Didn't even mention you. Jeez. Didn't even mention you. No. Well, must have. Uh, yeah. Well, we haven't even spoken about Blink One Eight Two. Where's the dig? Where's the? I thought you would have had something prepared for that because um, that's what it's felt like the last couple of weeks. These monologues, pre-written, pre-ready to go to just throw shade on forty-two-year-old blokes that haven't got out of their eighteen-year-old phase listening to Dude Ranch. I try. To, <laughs> I try. I try only to come in with one written bit and the Josh Giddy one was too easy this week. It was too easy. So um, that was it. Have you have you been given the Blink One A two album a spin? It's actually in the car. Cheshire Cat's Isn't in the it? car. That's yeah. really the only one I'd I'd listen to these days. Um No. Right. I try draft, I tried man. Draft your favourite song. What's your favourite song on that album? Uh is it wasting time? Yeah it is wasting time. Yeah, that's mine. We could, <laughs> yeah. It's I don't know. It's it's fine. I just I can't. I tried. I don't know yeah. why. Because the new the new songs came out on YouTube like a couple months yeah. ago, and so I thought, oh, this would be interesting. I'll give it a listen. And I was listening to it, and I was just like, man, I just don't care. And I went back and listened to some old stuff, and I'm like, I don't feel the same way about this stuff that I do 
you know, like I could listen to Rancid till the cows come home. I could listen to, you know, in terms of pop punk bands, um, Mill and Colin, No Use for a Name, like all yeah. this. Like I still listen to all that stuff. For whatever reason, Blink's the one band, I guess Green Day's probably in the same boat, um, where I just don't get it anymore. It's just not my thing. Yeah. The evolution of it, that's what's happened with, um, well, both of those bands there that you mentioned there in Blink and Green Day. They, they did evolve and we probably didn't get outside of that, but I just, I don't know. There's always that little, that little first girlfriend type thing. It's almost like that. That's what Blink are very much like for me, I think. And, and my memories are, Enema of the State and Take Off Your Pants and Jacket was literally yep. my uni years and yep. they were pretty good times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could imagine. It was just, like, I could still listen to, like, I could listen to Green Day's old stuff. I still really like mm. it. And even the new stuff, I don't feel it's, like, I feel there's a bit more meat on the bone. It's, um, I don't know why. It just feels, they were like a, 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 I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. Doesn't, I don't know. Don't know. Mm-hmm. Don't know, Warnie. We're all different, yeah. right? We all have different they, tastes. That's all right. That's all right. No, I do look forward to this continuing until no, uh, I don't at least February. No, that was part when, of um, the, that was part of you having you on. Is like I just want to end it because I don't think it's <laughs> we that can funny. call it game over. I don't want. Oh, well, I'll come back on in February after I go and see them um, in their tour. Yeah, I was like playing I'd, to their backing tracks and you know just running around. Because Stato just looks at me. He's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And I'm like, "Man, I just want to." I just. I just want to end it. I just want to end it. It's not. I know it's not that funny, but I just want to. Anyway. I love it. It's good. Anyway, um, yep. Blink game over. That's all right. We'll see what your next one is. I'll see what where I'll feel seen on the next thing that you are that I shouldn't really care about as a uh, a forty-two year old bloke. You're too good at sport, Warnie. That's the problem. <laughs> and um, Nuffington, last question: Can you do an ISO draft of Blink songs? Um, do you want to do a top five? You, you can give me a top five. Songs. All right. You're a big fan. I'm not. I'm out of the loop. Yeah. That's interesting. I'd like to mention there, Wasting Time. That's a good one. But I think it has to be number one draft pick would have to be Damn It. That is a very good song. I just can't see anything outside of that of going my number one pick. It's your crowd pleaser. The first time I heard I remember I was chopping some wood with Dad and that was the first time I heard that because I was, um, you know, before that song, which is probably what made them really blow up, was um, was that. But prior to that, you know, I had M and M's on a um, on a compilation, which then got me to get Cheshire Cat, and then yeah. So I reckon, um, yeah, no, number one pick. Damn it, go. It? What's I, yours? I reckon my my number one pick would be uh, all the small things. Oh really? I just really like it. I just love the guitar. <laughs> I don't know why. Just like it. Yeah, damn it's damn it's good. I'd I'd probably have wasting time above. Yeah. Um, and then off that off Dude Ranch too, I I love Apple Shampoo. Like that's one of my that would yep. come across in any era, I reckon. Yeah. That's just a good yeah. fun pop punk song. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. They're they're good. I don't yeah. I don't really like the new song. I, you know what song <laughs> I really wanted to like on the new one? Is the Robert Smith song. And I was like, it's oh, so close yeah. to being a good song, but it's not. Yeah, it's a little bit cringy. Some of it. It is. It's, um, yeah, and that's what that's probably that's probably the issue that I've got now, and I'm 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 letting that just slide. There's a <laughs> bit of cringe there. Although the first track, that anthem part three, is fucking fun and very good. But still, dudes that are fifty year olds singing about, you know, still thinking they're in high school is a little bit weird. But it's I good. Don't know. 
I don't know. This is fizzled out, man. What, what else you got? I'm not, I'm not, I'm, like I said, I'm not a huge fan anymore. I just don't listen to it. Like, no, give me, that's okay. Fuck, man. I'm just too old for that. It's too old. You've you grown kids, up. You, you kids. You now are, you prefer to go and see Coldplay at Marvel Stadium. No, don't ever say that. Don't ever say that. <laughs> Well, you're, so you're a big music fan. I can't even remember the last show I went and saw. It was probably Pulp. Yeah, well, um, I'm off to a music festival this weekend, actually. Good things. So heading off to uh, Sydney on the weekend to go and... Uh, well, and what's good about that? That's that's a bit of nostalgia type stuff. Like going, I went to it last year and I think average age was about 35. So <laughs> felt right at home for that. It was nice. But got a few, uh, a few nice bands to catch up with and check there like even just some nice aussie bands like jebediah on that tour so it's gonna be cool i haven't seen them for a long time so yeah. that'll be sweet all those little things so yeah should be fun devo haven't seen them but that'll be weird yeah maybe fun that's weird that is weird so. and jebediah i love that uh that's slightly odd ways one of my favorite albums yep still that love was, it they were, uh, I don't know. It's the old man in me and you as well. But like those things at those times, that's, they mean so much. Like that is, that is me learning music and getting into that peak time when, you know, you can be the old man going, you know, kids these days was that triple J hottest 100 means nothing to me now or whatever. But there, like, you know, that, that indie alternative sort of scene of the late nineties was freaking awesome. Yeah. We grew up skating the, the ramp with. Body jar in Vermont. That was like that yeah, was like that we just went everywhere with like followed them everywhere. They were they were our heroes, yeah. the older guys than us who were better skaters and <laughs> better musicians and all that sort of thing. So yeah. We um that was us. Vermont, Western uh Western Victoria, Vermont. Epic. Anyway, that'll do us. Warney, thanks for joining us as always. Uh always a great sport, always a great chat and always great insights. Into what's I don't know about the insights yet. I feel like it's way too early to have any <laughs> real significant insights now, but it's exciting, I think, just the fact that it is, well, happening already. It's just around the corner and we're bloody getting into it. I think the off-chat, the off-air insights are, <laughs> are always fun. Yeah. They're always the good ones. Anyway, what's what's happening? What's GT Talk doing this year? What what are the big trips? You, you lit the country on fire last year. Uh, yeah, um, I don't know, actually, to be honest. We haven't really made any plans as such, so hopefully we get away. We'd like to... um. We'd like to get back to Perth again because that's just freaking awesome to go there and um, that. Hopefully Adelaide as well. People in Melbourne don't give a shit about us. So um. Anyway, that'll do us. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, no doubt Stato will be back next week uh, unless he's under arrest. So we'll see you then. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Draft Doctors Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review.